0: This is Toastcaster, podcast for Toastmasters. Your host, Greg Gazin. Episode 92, the benefits of visiting service organizations during business and holiday travel with our guest, Garfield Hiscock. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Toastcaster, podcast for Toastmasters. We have a special guest today. Garfield Hiscock. He's a technical trainer. He's currently working with a utility company at Edmonton, Training Drivers. He has a BA in Economics and a Masters of Information Technology Education. Garfield grew up in the wilds of Labrador, that's on the far east coast of Canada, working in the information technology field in Washington, D.C., and finally settled down to Edmonton 14 years ago. He's been a Toastmaster for 17 years, a Distinguished Toastmaster, and one of the interesting things about Garfield is that he's visited over over one hundred clubs and service organizations, both as an interested person and also as a tourist. So we have him here talking about some of those adventures and some of the things he learned, and some of the things that you can learn if you decide to visit different places. Garfield Hiscock, welcome to the program. Well, I'm glad to be here, Greg. It's interesting. I know sometimes when some of us go on holidays or we'll travel different places, you know, we might decide, eh, you know what, I might just check out a Toastmasters club, or perhaps if I'm a member of a service organization, check out some other place. You seem to do it with, with purpose. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, Greg, I travel around quite a bit for work and also as a tourist. I don't like to go back to the same places all the time. And I don't watch television. After supper, often I'm sitting around wondering what to do. I used to do that, and now I just go find a club. And I'll often schedule my, my trips or or my meetings or anything around, uh, certain club meetings, especially if I'm in a smaller town like Great Falls, Montana or something. There's not a lot of clubs there. That's my mindset when I go looking for something to do in the evening.
0: How do you plan it? What do you do?
1: I will look at, generally, if my schedule is flexible, I will look at where I'm going and when are club meetings. And from there, I'll plan my itinerary. Sometimes I don't have a choice, so sometimes I do get stuck in a hotel room reading. But I generally try to figure out where the meeting is going to be and how long it takes me to get there, uh, whether or not I can actually make it. If it starts at 5 o'clock, often I can't make it. But if it starts a little later, 6 or 7,
0: I can often make it. How is it different from perhaps your your local organizations?
1: You're not really walking in there cold. I guess salespeople call it a warm lead. You have some kind of a connection through your organization, so you have that common ground to start with. And in there, you will meet people from the locals. For example, when everybody goes to Las Vegas, they hang out on the Strip. Well, that was not of interest to me, so I went. I found a club, and I got to meet the locals, and they got to tell me where the good places to go for something to eat instead of you know going to a, a local franchise or anything. They told me the real places to eat and to visit. So I'm not going in there cold. I'm going in there warm. I've got something to do. And often, as a distinguished Toastmaster, as an experienced Toastmaster, you're not sitting there for very long. You're often put to work. I expect to be. But it's nice to see how people run different meetings and their different interpretations of various Toastmasters' policies or procedures.
0: That sounds pretty interesting. I concur. I I mentioned this in a previous podcast where I was going to San Francisco for a conference. It happened to do with CDs and DVDs. I guess you would call it digital media now. So I looked up San Francisco and I sent out a few emails and I said, this is where I'm going to be. This is where I'm staying. This is where my conference is. And I ended up finding a location that was meeting about two blocks from the Moscone Center in San Francisco half an hour after my last session. It worked out absolutely well. And yes, you're right. They do put you to work. Yes. I was the A ah counter, but also called the a counter because I was from Canada a. <laughs> That's funny. And the nice thing is they certainly welcomed me with open arms.
1: Yeah, you have that common language. You have the common jargon. When I found, for example, it was I think it was Great Falls, Montana. They couldn't believe that I was visiting Great Falls all the way from Canada. Now it's straight eight hours down the highway here, that I was coming in visiting and I would get up and be at that meeting, come out of my campground and be at that meeting at seven o'clock in the morning. You know, I might as well have coffee with you as to sit outside my RV having coffee with the birds and the bugs. Often I travel with a back pocket speech and I always have a manual with me and that's really welcome oftentimes. They said, oh, we don't have any speakers, and I'll say, I'll speak. You will. So that really sets a different tone, and it really helps the clubs a lot.
0: It sounds like if you're going there for personal development, obviously you can get a different experience in a different club. But I'm also thinking that if you go there for business, it could also be an opportunity to introduce yourself to the community. But I think there's also an opportunity to find out a little bit more about how the community works. Because every community, every country, every place that you go to, or even – different places within the same city, you are going to find uh, different cultures, different procedures, and it's a really good way to break the ice.
1: It's an excellent networking opportunity. I remember being somewhere in Texas and seeing the Chamber of Commerce meets here. And at the time, I was a member of a Chamber of Commerce. I walked in there and I wasn't looking to develop any business. I, I didn't have any business there. I was at a conference. But I remember thinking, what a great opportunity. What a great opportunity to see how that community works. And you're right. A small chamber of commerce outside a large metropolitan area works a whole lot differently than in Dallas than it would, say, in Miami. Yeah, the network opportunity, regardless of which organization you belong to, it's just an amazing chance for you to meet some new people and find out how things are done locally.
0: So when you visited that Chamber of Commerce in Texas, did you discover something that perhaps you said, hey, you know what, this could probably work really well back in Edmonton?
1: Yes, they were doing some local tradition. And I thought, why don't we try that? We had to modify it, as you could appreciate, but it was just another element of the ice breaking. Instead of the normal, hi, I work for ABC company, and this is what I do, we came up with a different icebreaker, and it served really well. People seem to enjoy it. It seemed to get away from that what you're going to hear every time in the introduction. and just made a, given a different feel to the whole, the start of the meeting.
0: So there's Toastmasters Clubs, for example. There's also Chambers of Commerce. Is there any other organization or service organization? I'm sure there's lots out there, but is there any other one that you might think of off the top of your head that people could consider if they belong here, that when they're traveling for business or whether they're on holidays that they could check out?
1: Oh, Rotary Clubs, if you're a member of that, the Kinsmen, the Lions Club, many, many, Kiwanis, many of these international organizations, doesn't matter. You have that common language. Doesn't matter if you're going to a Lions Club in Zimbabwe, you're going to understand the basic structure and there may or may not be any language barriers. That's, That's a different story. But you have that common, you know, you're going to know most of the protocols. We, as Toastmasters, know that there's table topics and there's evaluations and maybe there's a knockout. And other service groups are all going to have that common flow to their meetings.
0: I'm also thinking that taking these types of opportunities is, in fact, a great excuse to plan to go somewhere.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be a good excuse if you needed a reason to go to Providence, Rhode Island, because that was maybe your last state you had to visit, and there you go. It makes it a five-star Toastmasters
0: club. That's right. You want to visit all 50 states. I'm thinking more along the lines of somewhere maybe even farther away. (laughs) I'm actually doing some long-distance mentoring with an individual in Geneva, Switzerland, and I've never been overseas, and I'm thinking... Mm, this would be a great excuse to go to one of their conferences or conventions.
1: Well, yes. I mean, you have to put yourself in that person's shoes physically. So you'd be doing yourself a huge favor by going to Geneva.
0: Don't get me wrong. I do love the eastern seaboard. I mean, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, all those areas are absolutely beautiful out there. And I'd love to get out there again. its It's been many, many years since i visited places like Cape Cod, plus my two co-hosts from the Toastmasters International podcast, live in Massachusetts, so there's a great excuse to get out there to the eastern seaboard. But I think Geneva might be something a little different.
1: Oh, I think so. And while you're there, you might as well go to a few other clubs. Might as well extend your stay to try to see if you get a few more countries under your belt.
0: I'm also thinking sometimes, obviously, you're going to go with family. You know, perhaps the uh, the wife and kids want to go to a certain place and you prefer to go somewhere else. Or perhaps you are traveling for business with your spouse and... They decided they want to do something. So there's an opportunity to say, okay, honey, you can go over there and I'm just going to go to Rotary. I'm going to check out the local chamber of commerce or perhaps, and she'll already know that you're thinking Toastmasters.
1: <laughs> yes, I did that when we were we were visiting some friends down in Florida. And my family is not an early rising family. So I was getting up in the morning and I just thought, You know, I might as well take a quick drive over, see what this Toastmasters Club is doing. By the time I got back and I had my coffee and met with people, and you don't just leave at the end of the meeting. You stay and visit and get to know some people want to know what you're like, because as busy as Florida is and, and much of the tourist trade it is, they don't often get visitors who are there from away. That's what the person told me at this Florida club. He said, we don't get many tourists. Oh, okay, that's strange. So it goes to show you that regardless of where you go, you're, you're not always treated as a tourist. You're a, a guest because you're an anomaly. Guy from Switzerland coming to our club in Florida for a visit because he's happened to be close to the major theme parks. So that there is that camaraderie that's built in.
0: And the learning goes both ways. I mean, I had mentioned things that you could take away, things that you could learn, but I mean, they could also learn from you or they might be, maybe this is the first exposure that they've had to someone from a different city or a different country or just, just someone who may perhaps speaks a different language.
1: Yes, or in our case, speaks it differently. <laughs> but they say about Canada and US, it's two countries separated by a common language. That was one of the comments I heard, I forget. I think I was in St. Louis or something. And one of the guys, my evaluator, I remember doing a, had a speech and he just said, it was a very good speech, but there was a couple of phrases. I had no idea what you're talking about. And he listened to them and I realized, oh, I was speaking in Canadian and he had <laughs> never heard it. Yeah. talking in Canadian, eh? Yeah, you're right. You do bring a lot of things to them and so often. People, it's the same club members, especially maybe in some smaller communities or a little more insular communities. It's the same people in and out, and they don't get a lot of guests at the best of time. And then you come in and you're a breath of fresh air and you have different ideas. So you're right. You never know what the protocol, what protocol you're used to that you bring to a new club or not a new club, but a different club.
0: I was specifically thinking more about things like speaking Spanish or speaking French, because <laughs> we do have a Spanish Bélingue Toastmasters club here. I have visited clubs in Montreal where they spoke French. It's quite fascinating learning about how they do their trainings and just things are just a little bit different. I mean, they're probably different from the club across the street, right. but I just find it fascinating to learn new things and, and meet new people. Have you had any epiphanies? You said that you gave a speech At a different club, in a different place, were there any epiphanies in terms of feedback that you received that perhaps you never thought you might receive?
1: I think the one in St. Louis, where I was using Canadian uh, phrases, and actually, when I was a member of a club in Fredericksburg, Virginia, I actually did a speech based on the difference in language and the different words that we use between Canada and the U.S., and that was very well received. And I got that inspiration from that speech in St. Louis where I was just unknowingly just using our phrases that we have in northern Canada. And I also know that the expressions that we use in northern Canada are different from East Coast and different from Quebec and Ontario. So it's having those things put out. And one of the things that we're always taught is don't use jargon. Avoid using jargon. Avoid using this and that. Well, one of the things we have to learn is jargon isn't always technical jargon. Jargon It's regional jargon. Now, if you're going to do a speech on colloquialisms, maybe you go to, come in Alberta and you want to do a thing about what a bunny hug is, and you're from Saskatchewan. Well, everybody knows what a bunny hug is there, but maybe not as many people know. Maybe if you're in Iowa, nobody knows what a bunny hug is. I think making that aware... Okay, watch what you say. Watch how you say it. It's very important. One of our competent communicator speeches is uh, use the correct words. So I think that was a big epiphany.
0: So since we do have a global audience, perhaps for those people who may not be familiar with the term, could you explain what a bunny hug is?
1: Oh, we call them hoodies. Those are the sweaters with the hood on them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking it was more of a greeting ritual.
1: No, no, well, see, the first time I heard a bunny hug, I was in Saskatchewan. And they said, oh, man, you hope you got you brought your bunny hug with you. And, but they were setting me up. They had a pretty good idea. I didn't know what a bunny hug was. But like you, I first thing I okay, how do bunnies hug? It's different things like that. Being set up is fine, but sometimes you make that mistake. And, and then you have language barriers. I have some Spanish co-workers, they will talk about friends learning, bouncing their Spanish off of them, and pronouncing different words incorrectly, and it means two different things. That's part of it, too, uh, learning a language. If you're going to be in Switzerland, maybe maybe you could brush up on your German before you go. You're a gadget guy. is You must have a, a portable translator.
0: Oh, that's too funny. I got to tell you what happened one time. I... I belong to the Latino Canadian Entrepreneurs Toastmasters. I I use Google Translate. And there's a lengthy story here, but I'll just give you one example. I used the word speaker. Google Translate gave me the word altavoz, so I used that in my presentation. I think I was the Toastmaster that day, and people started to laugh, and I couldn't understand. Maybe did I pronounce it incorrectly? Well, altavoz is like a loudspeaker. Right. (laughs) The funny part is they thought I did it on purpose as the gadget guy that I was actually making a joke. (laughs) (laughs) It's orador. (laughs) That's too funny. That's awesome. The bottom line, obviously, is that you need to know your audience. You need to customize your presentation or your speech to the audience. Make sure that you explain if you're going to use an acronym or you're going to use jargon or something that's more localized is obviously you want to explain it. And also there's even generations to take into consideration. Absolutely. We certainly digress from our original conversation, but that's fine. That's That's what it's all about. It's about going to different places. What I was wondering is, is there any advice that you can offer someone if they're thinking of doing this?
1: Reach out to your host organization before you go. If you want to be an active member in the meeting, regardless if it's a Toastmasters club or a Rotary meeting or any other kind of meeting, or even maybe uh, if you're a member of a union, you're a member of one local at a union, you're going to a different one somewhere else. You know, if you want to partic- act, be an active participant in the meeting, check ahead, phone ahead, reach out ahead of times, and just tell them that you're coming. I think what that does is serves two purposes, especially if you're an active member and you're heavily involved, regardless it is. that will allow them to include you in the meeting. They will be aware of that you're coming, and they will be a little more, I don't want to say receptive, because everybody's going to always be receptive. But it's, you've already broken that ice to them oh, they're expecting you. Oh, you've been a member of this organization for a very long time. Oh, then can you serve as this role in our meeting? Give them a chance to include you and to expect you. That would be my advice instead of just showing up. So you just want to reach out to them, I would
0: say. And make sure you confirm the location, date, and time. I Oh, yes. I found out the hard way going to visit a. I visited an organization in Vancouver, and it turns out that the individual who was running the website was really no longer part of the organization. He was just helping to do the updating, et cetera. The club had actually moved.
1: <laughs> and in my case, I was in Victoria, British Columbia, and had no idea that the club had actually folded. I went to the meeting site at a college, community college, and... This guy phoned me when I was there. He said, no, that club hasn't existed in five years. Do your research, do your due diligence, and reach out to
0: them. And some places may also have secure locations. It happened to me where they just said, we just need some information from you ahead of time because you'll need to go through security. It's a secure building, but we have yeah. no problem no problem getting you in. Just make sure you bring some ID. That never hurts. It's, it's just a little courtesy. So without having to pick your favorite, perhaps what would be maybe one of the most interesting visits that you made as a tourist or interested person?
1: I think I was up there in one of the Boston states as the uh, Eastern Canadians refer to the New England. And I was in one in New Hampshire at a meeting. One of the people who was, we were in district 45 at the time and I was an area director and it was his home club and he knew I was coming. So they put out uh, a lot of Canadian things. Just to, he said, look, he told him, this guy has a great sense of humor. We can get away with a lot of stuff. So that was before, I hate to say it's before the time of the internet, but it was before the time of the internet. So there was Canadian flags and there was Canadian cheese and Canadian beer and Canadian this and that. And then they told me, I hope you got a speech ready because you're giving one. You're our second speaker tonight. (laughs) (laughs) you know, I was able to do it because I was able to just come off as, you know, Canadian being involved in the same district, what the differences were. And, and I was, so, but it gave me enough time. They had table topics first and then a speech first. So I had to sit there and furiously come up with a speech outline. You know, that would be one of the things that stands out the most.
0: Wow. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. that was Always have to have a good speech rate. Good thing they didn't say that, Hey, you know what? You're our keynote. You've got 45 minutes. Get up there and talk. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that would be tough. I respect the people
0: who get through that. Absolutely. Plus a lot of preparation, of course, goes into all that. Well, Garfield, thank you so much for coming onto the program. I think it's really good as more people are traveling the world, they belong to various organizations, all the benefits that they can gain by visiting different places, perhaps learn some new things, share their experiences with others, and perhaps also give them something to do when they just can't think of anything that they want to do.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, Greg. It's just such a great way to meet local people and to find where the local haunts are, especially if you're in a heavily touristed area. You don't want to go where all the tourists are. You want to go where the locals go. You want to get a better idea of the local flavors and where the locals prefer to have quiet meals or better meals or just what they like to do, or maybe there's some things off the beaten path that you can find out, then that's the way to go. Nobody needs to stand in the lineup all that time. (laughs) And I think personally, it's a great way for me to center. I'm a long ways away from home. I've been busy, busy, busy doing the tourist things with my family. I need some time for me. I need some downtime for me Help me get recentered and re-energized.
0: Garfield Hiscock, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for being on the program. It's been my pleasure too, Greg. Thank you. Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, I'm not sure how you joined us. Whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way, you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes, because it really helps with our ratings. Plus, also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmaster specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies. A new book by Greg Gazin, geared to ages 8 to 80, whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, this short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at OutsmartingTheButterflies.com.